Welcome everyone to this episode of Green Talks. We're back to talk about research on renewable feedstock and waste streams in the chemical industry. I'm Thomas Setre, your beloved host once again from Greenhub Twente. Today we can welcome the long-awaited Dr. Pira Ruiz, who will talk about her research related to SDG 9 on industry innovation and infrastructure and SDG 17 partnerships for goals. Thank you, Pilar, for accepting our invitation. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure. Could you tell tell us about your academic and research background, please? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Spain. I studied there uh, at the University of Zaragoza a long time ago, chemical engineering. And uh, then I, I did also my PhD there, my PhD studies. I went uh, for a postdoc later to the U.S., and uh, after that, I worked like uh, almost six years at a company of renewable energies uh, with the headquarters located in, in Spain. And uh, after that, I came here to the University of Twente to work at the Sustainable Process Technology Group, uh, where I do research on um, developing uh, chemical processes, sustainable chemical processes uh, that uses alternative uh, feedstocks, more sustainable feedstocks like uh, lignocellulosic biomass and plastic waste. Exciting, and uh, we're going to hear more about that in this episode. So, before you explain all the details to us, uh, how we can make alternative fuels and why it's so cool, uh, let me ask you this first. What is your most unsustainable <laughs> guilty pleasure? <laughs> okay, if I think on a, on a pleasure, I can think of on holidays. Mm. And uh, yeah, I would say normally in summer I go to Spain also for holidays and yeah. I go driving. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that is the most sustainable way, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. the most convenient one for me. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. The train infrastructure still <laughs> could be improved. <laughs> All right. So I want to I wanna hear about what motivated you to, to get into alternative fuels and, and waste recycling and start somewhere which we all know is super unsustainable. Yes, um, yeah, the, the motivation part and the starting point, if you think on the oil and chemical industry, mm -hmm. uh, it delivers the products that are in our daily life everywhere. But uh, not only the fuels that uh, we use for our cars, right? Uh, but you can think of our clothes, on our uh, in any material and construction or packaging, on our computers, laptops, uh, phones. So it's everywhere. So there is a huge demand for these products. And of course, also imagine fertilizers, right? To, mm -hmm. to grow the, the food worldwide. So there is a huge demand and it's clear that we need to move uh, to a more sustainable uh, way to deliver these, uh, these products and reduce the carbon footprint. Okay, that's, that's pretty much understandable. Um, so we need to make it sustainable ASAP, of course. Yes. What role does sustainability has in your life? Right now, yeah, in my in my life in in general is everywhere. Of course, from the point of view of research, as, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, I develop a sustainable process, right? So that's the that's the core of uh, of my research, trying to to work with these alternative feedstocks, and and also, of course, in teaching. Also, as a teacher here at the university, uh, the sustainability plays a, also an important role. I teach courses on sustainable chemicals, sustainable mm -hmm. fuels, also uh, in the chemical and science engineering. Uh, program, but also in the Master of Sustainable Energy Technology. Great, big shout out for that. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Now let's go into our main topic today, alternative fuels and waste. Let's start with what they are and uh, how are they made, where, where we are in, uh, in developing them. 
Yes. So in this specific case, for example, when I work with more, more sustainable uh, feedstocks, I'm talking about using lignocellulosic biomass, for mm -hmm. example, and, uh, and also other waste streams. In the case of uh, lignocellulosic biomass, uh, of course, we, we try to use these more sustainable uh, feedstocks. And uh, in this case, uh, we made already a change, right? Uh, we wouldn't want to compete with food industry, so that's why we made already a movement years ago. But this is the the way society is moving, like to use more sustainable uh, feedstocks. In the case of the biomass, these studies started long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, in my case, it's already 20 years working on this type of uh, wow. of development of uh, processes, right? That deal with this uh, complex feedstock. And um, yeah, in academic terms, where would you where would you put us now? In what phase of developing bio, bio, biofuels are we now? Yeah, so we are at, the, at the many different stage of uh, stages, right? As I mentioned, with the biomass, we have been studying them for a long time. So there mm -hmm. are uh, different stages of uh, development there. So of course, uh, also industries have implemented a uh, few of these technologies, mm -hmm. right? There is also a strong commitment towards the sustainable aviation fuels, for example. We already have seen few flights already running and Correct. testing uh, these uh, biofuels. So, and, and also looking also for alternatives that we can produce from the same biomass. Mm -hmm. So there are processes that are still uh, more mid-term, long-term, but there are some that they are already in place. Mm -hmm. I believe that for the ones that are not that specialized in chemical engineering, it could be very interesting to hear how they are produced, actually. How do you produce such biofuels biofuels yeah so for example if we, if we think on the on the on the biomass right mm -hmm. uh, perhaps people are more um, uh, more familiar with the ethanol ethanol mm -hmm. production so we think in the past we used to do uh, first generation ethanol right we have the cereal sugar cane which is rich in sugars and then we ferment them eventually to produce ethanol of course at some point it was decided okay this is not so sustainable because we are competing with food so then we should move to alternative feedstocks and then that is the case then we move instead of the sugarcane or the uh, the cereal we use the leaves or the stems that are connected to that like the waste that we generate from these streams mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this case there is a, a, a more complex structure because we all we don't have only the sugars but we have the sugars but another components like lignin mm -hmm. so then this uh, this structure because becomes more and more complex and you have less sugar available also to produce the the same fuel Okay, so can we conclude what are the advantages and disadvantages yes. of, of using uh, biofuels in the case? Yeah, so in, for example, advantage is clear, right? We reduce mm -hmm. the carbon footprint, we are using waste, so that is a, a huge advantage. Disadvantage, uh, I, would, I would call it challenge, right? Because we are dealing with a more complex feedstock. So right. then we need to do some certain pretreatments that uh, you don't need to do in the other cases. That could be energy cons uh, consuming steps, con uh, high energy consumption steps, or could be also that we need other chemical solvents mm -hmm. in order to release uh, the fractions of we desire. But also considering this challenge, when when we have challenges, right, we have also opportunities, right? Correct. And this is the, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the way we try to tackle the the case of the biomass. The biomass is such a complex structure that can deliver us not only fuels but also many chemicals, many materials. Mm -hmm. And then the roadmap of products that can come from biomass is is really extensive. And then we try to uh, to develop these integrated biorefineries where we can produce and take advantage of the whole structure of the of the feedstock. Okay. So you were you were talking about the ethanol. Mm -hmm. How could we use ethanol 
as an example to decarbonize our industry. Yeah, now ethanol, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a known example that you can see in the gas stations, right? Mm-hmm. When you go and tank, uh, tank your car, you can see that there are still already mixtures of uh, gasoline with ethanol. So that is one case that is already in place. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I mentioned, the sustainable aviation fuels is another example going on. Yeah, yeah, and I, as far as I know, actually, the, the Dutch are pretty yeah, forward and they have a lot of development when it comes to sustainable ev- mm-hmm. aviation fuel. Yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah, there is a strong commitment, but not only from the Netherlands in general, mm-hmm. uh, from the European Union also supporting on subsidies uh, for su- sustainable aviation fuels, but also maritime uh, fuels, mm-hmm. and also in general worldwide also. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to talk about this yes. in a minute. But before that, so um, you mentioned challenges as uh, being energy intense um, and, um, yeah, the, the, the challenges to improve yields mm-hmm. as well and to mm-hmm. optimize all this. How, how do you tackle these challenges right now? What do you try to change? What variables can you change to tackle these challenges? Yeah, so as an, any, any chemical process that you can think of, of course, mm-hmm. the challenge is always to provide and optimize the yields that we want to obtain uh, regarding the desired product and also how to integrate all this energy consumption in the system. Sometimes also in some of the steps we generate energy, how can we integrate that? So how we tackle, I tackle them. So I'm an experimentalist. So most of the time I I study the problem, right? I test what's going on, the type of reaction uh, is happening, the problem we have, if we Mm -hmm. have um, um, a byproduct that it can be used somehow in another part of the process, if we can integrate energy um, energy steps in the process, and uh, and also how can we separate the different streams? Mm-hmm. So that sounds a lot like you're also trying to use some kind of circularity within your processes to reduce waste. So yeah. where where does that come in? I mean, I, I understand maybe the importance when it comes to your research, mm-hmm. but you also focused a lot on plastic waste recycling. And why is that? Yes. So as I mentioned, for example, in the case of biomass, it can deliver in our process many different products. Mm-hmm. So the best approach is to try to use these byproducts also within our product, uh, within our process. Imagine, for example, one solvent that we can reuse internally, right? But of course, if you we think uh, worldwide also, we have the, the problem of the plastic waste, right? The plastic mm-hmm. waste that is coming to the, yeah, to the earth, to the seas. So this is something we need to tackle and and and, and process better. Yep. So plastic waste is another of the the lines that I that I research on, and this is uh, this is uh, very important. I develop a process for chemical recycling of plastics. So the first step would be, of course, as much as we can reuse. But then, in a moment that we have uh, all the plastic mix, mechanical recycling should be there, right? We should separate mm-hmm. and get value of the of the major streams we can. But it's a moment that mechanical recycling may limit because we lose properties of the materials mm-hmm. or because we have a, such a complex mixture of waste that we cannot separate further. So in these cases, when chemical recycling plays a really an important role and it will play a, an important role in this circular economy using the plastic waste. Mm-hmm. And the idea is from plastic waste, process it back to a um, to a liquid or a component, a product that can be fed in an aftercracker, for example, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. we produce again the monomers and back the polymers, and then we close the loop of the plastics. Okay, so chemical recycling is basically uh, trying to break down the, 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 the final product mm-hmm. that 
have to be recycled yes. and then you feed it back to the system. Yes, and you create more new yeah, plastic. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, in a way, like you said, obviously the advantage is that uh, it's more clear, so you <laughs> don't lose material property. But it, isn't it more expensive than uh, mechanical recycling, for example? Yeah, I mean, you need the energy, right? Mm-hmm. You need the temperature or the mm-hmm. energy in order to, to depolymerize the plastic. But also, uh, I mean, we say it's an urgency of this problem. We need to solve it, right? Yeah. So there is a moment that uh, one technology is uh, cannot uh, deal with it anymore. We have this complex mixture, then, okay, what to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, put it back in the in the, our circular economy. Yeah, yeah. How do you see us scaling this up? The world scaling uh, chemical recycling up? Yes, I, there is a huge collaboration uh, with industries, with mm-hmm. uh, research centers, academia, uh, and also governments in that direction. This is something that we need to develop. We need to develop as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, we are playing an important role here. Great. That really much sounds like partnerships, a lot of partnerships. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's also something I, I want to talk about. After all, uh, we are discussing SDG 17 mm-hmm. partnerships for goals and I mean, our main goal is to become more carbon neutral, mm-hmm. to recycle more, yes. to to replace our unsustainable fuels. So what is in some way right now the business model of creating alternative fuels? Yeah, in this case, uh, once again, it's not, uh, let's say, profit focus, right? It's mm-hmm. sustainable focus. So we need to decarbonize this industry. We need to become more sustainable in that case. So that's the key point. And this mm-hmm. is the target we are aiming at. So for that, of course, partnership between, as I mentioned, industry, uh, research centers, and also uh, governments and subsidy agencies are on that direction. We need to, to support these lines of research. Okay. So in, in this case, we can talk about grants, subsidies, and then the private investors as well yeah. coming in. I, I believe that really the, the investments from, from uh, private companies increased yeah, tenfold in the last few years when it mm-hmm. comes to, let's say, biofuels and when yeah. it actually comes to the research being so applicable that companies can start to yeah. uh, invest in it like KLM, for example, mm-hmm. and, and start applying it as soon as possible because of the urgency mm-hmm. of things. Okay, so yeah, we, we have already hinted a bit of yeah. examples. So we're going to talk a bit more about aviation and maritime fuels mm-hmm. because yeah, they, they are very much yeah, in the business right now mm-hmm. and, uh, and it shows a good uh, collaboration opportunity. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what importance do these partnerships have for you for the development of your research? Yeah, I mean, these partnerships are critical. Uh, and also it's critical, let's say, from the starting point of view, right? When mm-hmm. you apply for a subsidy or you, uh, it's, it's mandatory, let's say, to have this collaboration. Mm-hmm. But in, in my field, at the end, the only way to make an impact if, is, 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 if uh, my process gets applied to the society, right, somehow. So if we upscale the process, and for that we need to go hand by hand with the, with the industry. And in that case, we can upscale it and then we can deliver the fuels or the chemicals. Um, to the society. Yeah. Today, now you are on the research side, but you have also been on the other side. You have been in the inside, <laughs> let's call it like that. You you have worked for a company which was collaborating mm-hmm. from the other side with yes. researchers and, uh, and also utilizing the talent to make their own uh, business mm-hmm. more profitable. So what, what challenges did they face and how did they tackle those challenges? 
Yes, uh, that company uh, was uh, the core of that company was also renewable and uh, renewable uh, energy. So it was mm-hmm. uh, dealing in in areas of uh, bioenergy, hydrogen, uh, also solar energy. So there I was working in the research center, in the central research uh, research part, right? So I was collaborating with the different business units. And of course, then you have different demands from the business units, and uh, and there is some urgency, right, to tackle mm-hmm. some of the problems. And then this is how you define the research, but also I had the opportunity to uh, define also my long-term r- lines of research, let's say, also to give it like as an input for the mm-hmm. uh, for the business units. Okay. And uh, how was how is the experience different working now at the UT compared to what you were doing at the company and what kind of uh, limits you may have? Yeah, yeah. Like in in everything in life, there are pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in the company, you have less freedom to define your research because, mm-hmm. of course, there is a demand, there is a problem, there is a challenge that needs to be solved. And um, I would say here, of course, is the part of education and you have more freedom to define the research. But also sometimes the the good part also in the company is this urgency is more clear. So you see things advancing faster, I would say. Okay. So um, how long would it take you to bring your research to the implementation phase at the university? And how long would that take at a company? (laughs) Approximately. Yeah. No, at the end, as, as I mentioned, it's, it's a collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. But then at mm-hmm. the first, it depends on the on the stage that we are t- talking. If you start from no, let's say, very fundamental up to you get to a commercial mm-hmm. plan, that could take 50 years. So that could take a long time. Okay. But if we are saying, okay, developments that you can make fast or decisions that you make fast to say, okay, mm-hmm. after one year, the company could switch and say, okay, I'm not interested in this anymore because I'm now focusing on another part of the business then that's the, the urgency, that you move and take decisions really quick. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, we heard how, how it's different, but um, something that is combining all of them and it's relevant for all of them is what is the future outlook for sustainable biofuels? And also later we'll talk about what's the future outlook for plastic recycling. Yeah, so in the case of the biofuels, I think the future is on the, as I mentioned, in the aviation and maritime uh, fuels. There is something when you are flying or remotely, you need to be supported by fuels and then the, the, there is the, the way to go. And uh, in the case of the plastic waste, of course, there is an urgency to close this cycle, to close mm-hmm. this loop and make it recyclable and then avoid uh, having waste in our in in our seas and everywhere around mm. so these are the the future lines i would say yeah. and not only in the case of the biomass i would not um, focus only in biofuels but again we can open to many biochemicals and biomaterials mm-hmm. which are already also some of them in place yeah and how do you see the ut and its research and your place in it uh developing let's say in the next five ten years yes i see our role like a really uh, very important and also we are very close to the application Mm -hmm. so then you can see things happening and very fast so that uh, i think our role is quite important on on helping developing this type of of processes great great um now i want to talk a bit about education as well and research so Mm -hmm. could you tell us again which courses you were teaching yeah, so regarding education i'm uh, i'm teaching courses on sustainable chemicals sustainable Mm -hmm. fuels and, uh, and also I'm teaching uh, process simulation in the Master of Sustainable Energy Technology. Okay. So what do you think students like about those courses? 
and um, do they actually realize the importance of the courses? Yeah. So regarding the courses, I mean, uh, of course, I think they they appreciate the sustainable approach. Mm-hmm. See, like, um, of course, from the classic chemical engineering, you you know many processes, right, on place, and then you can see, okay, what are the challenges of uh, of tar- of using different uh, different feedstocks? Mm-hmm. What are the opportunities we can create new uh, chemicals, new intermediates that they can deliver new products? How to also to produce, I don't know, new materials like uh, bioplastics, bio-based plastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how to do that? So I think they they appreciate yeah. this uh, this focus. How do you try to challenge them? Do you have some projects with with companies or within the UT trying to make them work together and figure out something? Yeah, in these specific courses, there is not uh, a direct relation with the with the companies, but in other courses mm-hmm. in the in the in the program of chemical engineering indeed we, there is a close relation to companies tackling a problem and then trying to develop a process okay based yeah. on that maybe something to look into the future yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um now i want to hear a bit more about how do you feel about doing research at the ut what is your experience you have been here for for some time now yes. um how did you experience working at the ut working with your colleagues and uh, yeah just being a researcher at the ut <laughs> Yeah, so uh, what I can say is I'm I'm really happy in the in the group that I am. I enjoy a lot uh, uh, working with the students, also mm-hmm. educating students, master, bachelor, and uh, PhD students, and and the research that I'm doing is really like, uh, yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I really uh, I like it. I like also the collaboration with all my colleagues, uh, like trying to combine the different expertise, and also in specifically at UT. And in my group, we have really um, very good facilities and also unique facilities like the high-pressure lab, which allow us to to make these studies also at different scales. Yeah, yeah, that is very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had our preparatory meeting in in that side of horse as well, where I've never been, and yeah, it does look very very fancy, I must say. Mm-hmm. What was your most fun experience at the UT, if you can think of one? <laughs> What's the most fun? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, just uh, group activities that uh, that is also, yeah, that is that is quite fun. Let's okay. Say. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now back to something more serious. Um, you 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 said okay, partnerships are super important. Otherwise, you cannot make an impact. Mm-hmm. How do you measure this impact that you you, you try to make? Yeah. So the impact. Again, I measure by developing these processes and then if eventually they are upscale or the mm-hmm. improvement that I propose through my research is implemented in, in industry and eventually it comes to the society, then that's my impact because I made it happen, right? Yeah. And I collaborated for this. But also my impact is through my students. I educate future engineers, bachelor's, master, and also PhD students. And the impact that I can do for them later to work in this uh, chemical engineering field, but also with this sustainable approach, mm-hmm. that is the the impact that I make. Great. Do, do you know if any of your students actually went into, let's say, um, sustainable um industry in general or any industry in which they are now working in a sustainable role yeah yeah, yeah. i think uh, most of them they they mm-hmm. work uh, through industry and also to to help with this energy transition and and being becoming more sustainable yeah, yeah that's great yeah, that, yeah that's the effect them, you want to yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what i want to see and then Amazing. i can see it yes yeah so i know it's a difficult question but what would you want to leave as your legacy i mean we we, we mentioned your impact but if you look yeah for the next 
10, 15 mm -hmm. years, what do you want to leave behind? <laughs> yeah, at the end, the, as a legacy, of course, is very important mm -hmm. uh, world, right? But at the end, yeah, my legacy is, again, the people that I train, right? Mm -hmm. And I work with. Mm -hmm. If at the end you can influence them positively, make an impact on how to approach problems from a sustainable way, mm -hmm. how to do research in this way. I think that's the, that's the, the legacy that I will leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. Inspirational. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Inspirational. Now, It's a difficult yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, could you bring us some kind of takeaway message? And, and yeah, lastly, let's, we, we can kind of get back to what SDG 17 is. So partnerships and how does that yeah. relate to our episode today? So the take-home message for me is like a strong collaboration between academia, research centers and industry. And of course, the whole society in general is mm -hmm. key and is necessary to make the energy transition happen. And any step that we take in the opposite direction will slow down this transition and will make us fail in the fight against uh, climate change. So that's critical. That's critical. So, yeah, we, we should, uh, like another epi episode said as well, we should facilitate dialogue rather than keep everyone out. Yes. Look at the bigger picture. Yes. Look at the bigger indeed. picture. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure. Uh, for people that are interested in circular economy and uh, recycling, more also about the implications of, let's say, industrial symbiosis, we'll have an episode with uh, Devrim Yazan, so you can hear more about it. And um, also on the policy side of these, we'll have episodes as well. So thank you very much for being here and uh, thank you for the listeners as well. Thank and you. see you soon. Okay.